carrying on with our uh, gifts uh, that we've been talking about. We had the, the kind of um, the bold gifts of the Spirit, and then we've looked at encouraging and serving and everything else. And today we're looking at the gift of giving, uh, so God's people of generosity. And to lead us into that, I'm just going to read uh, briefly from Romans uh, 12, just starting at verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. The man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. Um, I remember uh, when I first sort of became a Christian, I was a bit half-hearted, and uh, I was at Upminster Baptist Church, and I remember saying to the minister, I thought, I'd been going for quite a while, and I thought, I really should contribute uh, to the life of the church. So I said to him, there hadn't been any teaching on it, and I said to him, um, how much should I give? And he said, whatever you feel God's telling you. And I thought, that's not the answer I wanted. Um, because I kind of looked at the church tax. What, do I ne- what can I get away with? What can I you know, do to ease my conscience? Which was all about me and nothing to do with God and his word at all. And I hadn't heard any teaching. And I found myself, I'd be uh, there and the offering bag would come round. And I'd sort of go into my pocket and maybe, you know, pull out two twenties and think, oh, there must be a tenner in there somewhere. Can I just dig a bit deeper and get, you know, get off with it a bit? And, and that was my heart, and it was the wrong heart, but I hadn't heard any teaching. And if you're a visitor this morning, can I just let you know, we don't preach on money and, and uh, finance every week, but it is in the Bible. And in fact, Jesus spoke about it a lot. And so we're not going to apologize for speaking about it, but just be aware that that's not what we're all about. But let's face facts, finance, along with prayer and, and, and vision, uh, really are the things that keep the church moving. We're all under the headship of Christ. We have a huge responsibility to use that finance wisely. Uh, but I wanted to do some teaching. Or To be honest, it just came up in the preaching plan as we work through the gifts in 1 Corinthians and then on to Romans 12. This just so happened to be the week. And we had a trustees meeting uh, last week. Um, uh, you know, thank God for your trustees, seriously. They worked so hard. I left at quarter past 11 um, in the evening. We started at 7.30, and that's just so they could talk about me. Um, and so they really do put a lot of work in. Anyway, it's budget time coming up. So it's quite timely, we thought. And uh, it, we could say it's coincidence, but we don't believe in that either. So we're not apologising for it. And we, I, I, I've got to tell you, I've never prepared so much for sermons this one. I've really wrestled with it. And it's been brilliant, actually. I'm really ha- I'm happy. I, actually, God has really spoken to me. Um, and I hope he speaks uh, to you. Uh, so we've got that first slide up. If we put a second one up, please, uh, Dave. Um, so Paul, in this passage, talking about gifts in Romans 12, he said, if someone's gift is contributing, let them give generously. Uh, does it mean only gifted people can give? No, it means all of us can give. Uh, we are called to be a generous people. I really believe, and you'll see why, uh, in giving to the church you belong to, because you're, you're invested in it, not just financially, spiritually, prayerfully, fasting. It's, it's not the only place you can give, but I do believe in giving into the local church. You give to God's work and mission for furthering his kingdom. And the committed Christian would be a generous Christian. They are generous in many different ways, but this morning particularly, we're looking at the gift of giving, being a person of generosity. So maybe it hurts a little bit. Sacrifice. We don't overly talk about finance in church services. Much of it is done behind the scenes. We talk about it maybe at the AGM and the budget. 
Um, but not everyone hears it. The, you know, we won't, we, we won't get, we, we probably wouldn't get half of our membership, covenanted membership at, at, the, at the budget, but I'd encourage all members to come along uh, because it's really important. It, finance is important to the church. But it means that a lot of people don't really know where we are or why we do it and what we're doing. So we don't openly talk about the finance in church services, but Jesus, uh, you'll see, and Paul elsewhere in the Bible, they don't shy away from it. They have quite a lot to say, in fact, about finance. And as we look at the world, around us of course we need to pray and we need to fast and we need to serve and that no one questions that but we also need finance to further the mission and ministry of God as born out in the church we belong to this is family and we contribute and then therefore that spending goes elsewhere people feel threatened I think when being asked for money but let's take what is threatening and make it thrilling because it can be you see I say instead of being threatened by it be thrilled by it It's an opportunity to be thrilled just to see what God could do. Most Christians in this country don't tithe. Tithe is uh, giving 10% uh, of your income, gross. Uh, many uh, could give more, and maybe some people are aiming towards that. But there's, there's been this traditional uh, uh, teaching about the tithe, which actually much of it is good, uh, but we've got to get away from the church tax. We've got to get away. For some people, I've given 10%, I've done my bit. Um, actually probably not and for others not to be laden with guilt if they don't but I would encourage in my experience to aim towards it but many could give uh, more but use the tithe as well I've done my bit treat it like a church tax I've got away that I'll pay what I must um, who's the who's the who's the who's the best giver if someone's earning a hundred thousand they tithe left with 90 or the person earning 10 who gives a thousand left with nine you know, it's got to be more than a church tax it really has. Uh, R.T. Kendall was minister... I thought I'd better bring in some other well-known speakers in case I get shot at the gate or the door. R.T. Kendall was a minister of Westminster Chapel, and his teaching on this has been endorsed by people like George Carey, Billy Graham, and John Stott. And he said uh, this, It is very likely that a big hitch in your Christian growth has to do with fidelity in stewardship of money. Sooner or later, every Christian comes face-to-face with the use of their money, and what happens then? Either they will squarely and honestly face their Christian responsibility or they will draw back. If they draw back from this responsibility, it is not likely that anything they do will work or compensate for their refusal to come to grips with the stewardship of money. Who among us at one time or another has not sought to use one form of obedience to offset a deficiency in another area? I don't tithe, but I go to church three times a week. I don't tithe, but I bring people to church. I don't tithe, but I read and pray more than most people do. Does it work? No, it does not. We who do more when we're aware of some form of disobedience in our Christian lives are not talking to God, but talking to ourselves. We really try and project upon God what we hope he is thinking. It is nothing but playing games with God and ourselves. This is still R.T. Kendall. I'm sure that becoming a tither provides a definite breakthrough for every Christian. It unlocks the door of the mind, the heart, and the will. It releases, it emancipates, it frees. Becoming a tither is a milestone in a Christian's life. They're quite difficult words to hear, maybe, for some of us. If we can have the next slide up, please, uh, Dave. Malachi 3.10. Any church has a building project or anything else going on, this is the verse. Uh, that we'll, we'll, they'll use. But it is in the Bible, and I want to explore it a little bit. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing 
there will not be room enough to store it. And and actually, in verse 9, which I've not put up there, in verse 9, actually, God says, you are robbing me with your tithes and your offerings, in regards to the tithes and the offerings. When when the people weren't giving them to him, he was saying, you're robbing me. The tithe is already God's. And at the moment we start to hold that back, we're, we're taking money from God. It's his already, according to Malachi 3, verse 9. Uh, Next slide, please, Dave. Uh, The question then can be, well, is the storehouse uh, the church? In that passage, a lot of people or some people would say, well, yeah, that's Old Testament and, you know, it's got to be about cheerful giver and good heart and everything else. Is the storehouse, can we say, well, the storehouse in that context could be the church? R.T. Kendall says yes. And most biblical, biblical scholars that have looked up on this passage would not differ on that point. A few do, but most don't. They don't differ on the point that the New Testament ministry succeeded that of the Levitical priesthood. In, in, the, in the Old Testament, the 10% was for the, for the priests. It wasn't all they gave. That was, that's what came in. When Paul claimed that they who preached the gospel should receive their living from the gospel in 1 Corinthians 9.14, he was actually commentating on the way the Levitical priesthood was sustained. So there's this link between what went on in the Old Testament and what goes on in the New. Um, 1 Corinthians 9 uh, verse 9 uh, Paul is talking about supporting ministry in general, and this is a quotation from Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. So again, the Old and New Testament linked together. Do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. And again, that was talking about giving to ministry. Next one, please, Dave. We've got a lot of slides today. I'm hoping you can read some of these. Um, they're not bad. It's all right. I have to fit them on. Um, Paul also using, again, Deuteronomy 25, verse 4, in support of his claim, when he's writing uh, to, uh, to uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy 5, 17, 18, the elders who direct the affairs of the church, well, are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it's treading the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. So again, he appeals to the Old Testament. He's not saying there's this new uh, thing. This is, this, is, this is God's word for us now. As well, 1 Corinthians 9, 13 to 14 is also followed by an appeal to Leviticus 6, verse 6, when he asks, don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So it's saying that the people give so that ministry can go on. If we have the next slide, Dave, R.T. Kendall again, one of my favourites on this, he had a great book on it. Um, He says this, By supporting your individual church, then, you support the ministry of your church, but also provide funds for your church to send the gospel, both locally and around the world. And this is important to recognise. Everything that gets given, everything, and this one I'm going to come on to later on, um, is, is for mission and ministry. It's not whatever we've got left we'll use for mission and ministry. Everything in some way is used for the mission and ministry, either here or being sent further afield. Another man called Carl Bates commented, and I thought this was really good. He said, God has always had a place for holy money to be put. In the Old Testament, that place was the tabernacle and the temple. In the New Testament, that place was and is the church. He said, I've searched the scriptures where the tithe was designated. What he means by that is, well, I'll give 10%, but I'll give 5% over there to the church and 5% elsewhere. He said, it's not there. You will not find that in the Bible. Offerings over and above the tithe were taken and given outside of the church, but never the tithe. Do you see what I'm saying? So, you know, the tithe goes to the community of God's people in the, in the church you're in. Anything over and above that, it could come to the church, it could go uh, elsewhere. In other words, 
he said, the tithe is to be entrusted to the church that the church may, may make the proper decisions uh, to its, its use. Um, I've written something. I can't remember. No. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. So I'll see what's something. So it means that it's not... It wouldn't be proper for me to say, well, okay, I'm going to give my 10%, treat it as a church tax, and, I'm, you know, but I've got this person I really want to support, but the church don't support them, so I'm going to give it to them instead. But I've done my 10%, so I'm okay. It does not say that in the Bible. It says the opposite. It says you must bring it to the storehouse. And as we've just said, the church now is the storehouse. So you might have things over and above that, and that's fine. But you can see how things could happen. Say we've, we support various mission partners, and probably what happens, and I'm probably aware of it, is that some people will, will have a real heart for a mission partner. That's absolutely fine. Um, but they may say, and I don't know this, I don't know what anyone gives, nor should I. I don't ask, and I don't want to be told. Um, only the treasurer will see that. And it's none of my business. It's between you and God. Um, but I, I, I'm probably aware, and I think I've done it in the very, far past until I, I looked at all this uh, years ago, that you think, well, I'm going to give 10% of my income away for the work of God. But I like this missionary partner, and I like that missionary partner. So what I'll do is I'll give 5% to the church, and I'll divvy it up. And the problem with that is that some of the other 5% that you give to the church goes into, if you like, the pot. And those same mission partners might be receiving from that pot, but there's no way of knowing who's getting what because there's all this other stuff going on. And we're actually taking out of the tithe, which is supposed to be central, and then distributed in as we feel is right. Whereas God says, no, bring it to, bring it to the storehouse. Um, you may disagree sometimes, but I can assure you there's lots of checks and balances um, in, in all sorts of areas about how money is spent and where it is given. Uh, next slide, uh, please, uh, Dave. That is really small, isn't it? I'm going to read this to you. Uh, just a few verses uh, to highlight our heart for giving. Uh, what God, I mean, I could bring out loads. There are so many. But Jesus, which we'll look at soon, Matthew 6, verse 2, he says, when you give, when you give, sorry, not if. He's assuming you're going to give. It's like when he says, when you pray, when you fast. There's no sort of, well, do I need to? It's when you give. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 3. For I testify they gave as much as they were able. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. But just as you excel in everything, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what's been decided in their heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 10 and 11, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We heard, didn't we, a few weeks ago uh, from Rope, and he was saying about how they you know, give some stuff to the farmers, but the, the idea is they get it back twofold, tenfold maybe. It's, to, it's for God to increase. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew six nineteen to 21, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart also will be. Slide 8. Is that slide 8? We're on the last count. Is the next one slide 8, Dave? Good. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I'm going to read um, from Matthew uh, 6, 1 to 4. Let's get in here. Be 
Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, and on the streets to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. See, it's part of our secret life in, with God. And if you see the context of that, you know, Jesus has just come, uh, uh, come away from talking about loving for your enemies and justice and everything else. He's, he, he starts with giving and then goes to prayer and fasting and then talks about treasures in heaven. So he's kind of, he's put, he's put two book, bookends, if you like, uh, at the end of that teaching. And it's, prayer is our secret life with God. We might pray openly, so is fasting. We don't tell everyone about it, or we shouldn't. It's between us and God, and so is our giving. So first of all, how not to give. A devout Jew would give in, in, a, in a few ways. They would give, always, they would always tithe. Uh, that was compulsory. Uh, they would tithe. Uh, they also gave what they called alms in those days, voluntary. Uh, they would give more than what was required. They didn't treat it like a church tax. Realistically, a devout Jew would give away around one-sixth of their income. To the Jews, it was a sacred religious duty to give. But as important as the rabbis said giving was, they were against the kind of ostentatious giving. Jesus is not denouncing the teaching of the rabbis in this case, but the way the Pharisees fell short of his teaching, they were so hypocritical. The Greek word for hypocrite was used for an actor in a play. It means someone to be, to be pretending to be someone they're not. We're not supposed to be shouting about it all over the place. It's a secret thing we do with God. Verse 2 shows, Jesus shows that the Pharisees were parading themselves, announcing with trumpets, making sure they were seen in what was supposed to be their secret devotional life with God. And that giving is part of that. Instead, and I guess it's in some ways we know the term, they were blowing their own trumpet. We're not to do that. God knows what's done in secret, verse 4 of that passage. If we give to seek the praise of others, then that will be your reward. But if not, you'll get treasure in heaven. So that's not how to do it. How to do it, Jesus says that when we give, we shouldn't not only tell others, but also to not tell ourselves. Well, that's impossible, isn't it? You know, you know what you're doing. Uh, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Always, I know it's not, and this is not theologically correct at all, but going back to me in the day when I put my right hand in and got a couple of 20s, well, that's bad. I thought, yeah, maybe the left hand should have a go. And there's nothing in that one, but that's not what the passage means. Of course it's figurative. It means to avoid self-righteousness, self-congratulation and pride. It's avoid those conversations where you should do as I say because I give a lot. And it's really not, I don't, I don't care in that sense. It's, it's more about between you and God. 2 Corinthians 9 verse, 9 verse 7. God loves a cheerful giver, giving out of thanksgiving as a response to his love, what he's done for us, part of our secret life. And when done in this way, Jesus says in verse 4 of that passage, then your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. So there is a promise there um, as well. If we can have the next slide, please, Dave. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 15. I'm going to look at that. There we do. All right. New Testament, 2 Corinthians. Get it in the end. I'm still in 1 now. I've gone to Galatians. It's all going wrong. Right, 2 Corinthians uh, 9, 6 to 15. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart, to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So Paul's saying there, it's a good investment to give into the work and ministry of Christ. It's a good investment. He says, whoever sows sparingly would also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously would also reap generously. This is not the prosperity gospel teaching. It's not, look, give this and you'll get this back. Um, Although, in my experience, that does happen. Um, But it's not saying, well, I'm going to give a pound and get a hundred back. That cannot be my motive. My motive is I'm just going to give a pound, and whatever God wants to do, then he'll do. Um, It's a principle of the harvest, which we heard the other week. Giving as a planting seed. And that seed uh, gets multiplied and investing for the future of the kingdom. So it's a good investment. Secondly, we'll know God's love. For God loves a cheerful giver. As we give cheerfully, we can't earn his love, we can't buy his love, but he loves it when we do that. And this is why Paul says not to give reluctantly or under compulsion in verse 7 of that passage. I heard a term like, whistle while you write. If you write a check, be happy about it. Don't call it give this. It's the wrong heart. Uh, Receiving presents is fun. I love receiving presents, uh, but I love giving presents as well. So giving is fun. Thirdly, it changes your character. It says he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness in verse 10. Helps us to combat materialism. It helps us to say, well, instead of what I need next, well, what can I give away? And then you've got the privilege of seeing others thanking God for the gift that you gave. He said that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you have proved yourselves. Men will praise you. you know, the finance that comes into the church is looked at by a finance team. Uh, and in pastoral care, we try and help people when we know they need help. Uh, none of it really is just retained for the sake of it. Really isn't. Uh, and we have a, I know Alan's said a budget, it's an operating budget. We have to have a certain level of income to do the things that we want to do. But we need to acknowledge that the giving is a gift that comes from God. How good is it to know that we're supplying the needs of God's people? And here, we're part of the community of the global church as we share its needs in ministry, in service, in mission, uh, uh, up keep of buildings, which, you know, people say, oh, we spend all money on buildings, but it serves the mission of the church. You know, it's right that we do that. The building isn't the church. It's bricks and mortar. You're the church. The building serves you, not the other way around. And there's so much work to be done. There's so much we are doing already. There's lots to be done. But as, as unpalatable as sometimes it is to say, it takes finance. 
Uh, everything you give into the life of this church, the storehouse, is used for mission and ministry. Someone said to me recently, um, they said, oh, you always want to do more, and you, you know, but actually take a look around. We are doing a lot already. And then when I went through it, I thought, well, we are, actually. What slide are we on? I've lost it. Are we on nine at the moment? Yeah. So I should have done this myself. I don't trust myself. We're not, we're not at ten yet. Uh, we need, uh, we, we're doing that more now in this church, when I've looked through it, and I think, and some of you have been here a long time, than we've ever done before. But along with the prayer and the service, uh, it needs finance. So uh, slide 10, please, Dave. So I've got this, um, this day. What is giving for? What, what is the point? Why are we doing it? All of it is for mission and ministry. And we've been looking at this as a team. All, everything that we do, we want to measure against the purposes of the church and how that uh, enlarges God's kingdom. All of it to be measured against our strap line on the window to know Jesus and make him known. And then the, the mission statement of any church, whatever way they want to rewrite it, the Great Commission found at the end of Matthew's Gospel and some of the others as, as well. Um, and we do a lot. Next slide, please, Dave. Look at all those pictures. Thank you to Dave Lodge at short notice. For that. Is Dave here? Yeah, thank you, Dave. I took all of them. Um, I, I went on the website. We have actually, actually haven't got many pictures uh, uh, on the website. So I, just, I went through what we're doing at the moment. So we run Alpha courses. We have Baby Club here at, uh, at Perry Street. We have Easter Egg Hunt, which I think is one of the pictures. We have uh, Little Lights here at Perry Street as well. We have Tuesday, which is the Tuesday Toddlers here. We have a Wednesday group at, um, at Sunnymead. Uh, we have uh, we we help finance churches together in Billericay and all the mission that 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 gives and which affects street pastors. We have a global cafe here to help people who are from other countries, recognising that Jesus Himself was once a refugee. We have an AGM which we we finance because we believe it's an important part in the life of the church. We have Holiday Bible Club. We have Holiday at Home. So one's uh, reaching the younger generation, the other is reaching the older generation. Uh, sunny days, reaching the older generation of people who come together at Sunny, sunny Mead. Couldn't do that if we weren't looking after that building. We have uh, Tuesday Club also at Sunny Mead. We have our catering. It's one of those things that happens behind the scenes that no one thinks about. Flowers every week and people taking the time to do them. The minibus which needed upgrading. The licenses that we pay for worship. The uh, CAP courses, Christians Against Poverty, prison ministry, schools ministry, Billericay, giving to the Baptist Union Home Mission, helping them to plant churches. You know, Gary's been coming back, talking to me about as a minister. He's saying, he's saying if it wasn't for home mission, we, there wouldn't be, the church would not be able to have a, a minister. Producing the magazine, the equipment that you see. We've got a big mission partner budget. Uh, Alan tells me the largest of any church that we're aware of. Uh, we have Kingdom Kids. Uh, the Light Party this week. Uh, Life Expo that we're a big part of uh, coming up next year. All of it takes money. But all of it is mission and ministry. We're not doing it just... I mean, I love babies, but we're not doing that just because we love babies. You know, we're trying to, as, as, as a team, we're trying to get involved and help and support those leaders. Get, they are mission on our doorstep. Next year, first time we would have had a full staff since 2007. That's amazing. That's 13 years. So we've had all this time when we haven't had to finance that. We've invested since in the children's work, and we'd love to do more. We've always invested in youth and children. Other churches have decreased in, in that regard in the town, and they're suffering in that, in that area. We have an administrator, which used to be voluntary. We now have an additional building that we didn't have before. It needs to be maintained and costs money uh, because it's for mission and ministry. We have ministers being available, uh, visible, uh, to preach and get involved with those groups. 
uh, to prepare and preach God's word to lead. All those things. We'd love to do more. We'd love to get care for the family, as, as uh, off the top of my head, to come do marriage courses and parenting courses. But all of it is mission and ministry. Mission and ministry is not what's left. It's 100% of what we do. Any part of the giving that comes to the church is used to further the kingdom of God in many different ways. Now, Alan shared at the budget last year that we as a, a church were prepared and equipped to run a deficit uh, for this year and next year, anticipating return to a break-even position in 2021. And, and for this year, that required a 4% increase in giving, uh, which pretty much a, a, has been achieved, and, and an 8% increase in 2020 and again in 2021. We're currently working on, as I say, it's quite timely. This, this was in the preaching plan ages ago. We're currently working on next year's budget, and it looks like we'll need to see offerings increase by uh, between 8 and 10% uh, next year to keep us on track. Alan's going to be sharing more, but I don't want to steal his thunder and he's still putting some numbers together, but he'll share more at the November church members meeting. It'd be great if you're there. This is really, really important. We have for some time carried a large reserve. Many of you will know that. We had a lot of money in the bank because we knew we had to pay the Baptist Union pension deficit, which was, wasn't an insignificant amount of money. And we've cleared that now. And because we've cleared that and invested in kingdom business and looking forward in faith, we are, for the first time in a long time, being challenged in our giving so that we can strive first for the kingdom and further the mission and ministry from this church. Mission is overseas, I agree that, but it's also on our doorstep in all the things that have been mentioned. The fact is, mission and ministry cost. The Bible is pretty clear about uh, uh, giving. It should be sacrificial. Our reserves won't last forever. We can't continue to run at a deficit. And so without those increases in income in a year or two, which we really don't want to do, we'll be scaling back. We'll have to do it because the books have to balance and look where we can make that happen. So we don't want to get there. So... Giving is important. I'm hoping that's the thing you're getting. It's part of our spiritual discipline. Uh, the next uh, slide, which I'm not going to go through all of them, they're all the. Uh, I'm going to put this probably. Well, it'll be on the website, but um, I might put it in the um, the church magazine as well. The tithing tradition is 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 there. There's so many references um, about tithing, but um, but slide 13, last one, please, uh, Dave. I think not the last one, second to last. Was that the last one? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We're back to the beginning. That's brilliant. Um, slide 13, our giving. If we really want to further the kingdom, if we want to stand still, it's got to go up. But even if we want to push forward, it has to be sacrificial and generous and not be scared to talk about it. Our giving is not for the praise of people, nor for self-congratulation, nor just to pay us more. It's not about that. It's about God's mission and ministry. But before, it's all of it is before God who sees our heart and knows what and who we are in our secret life with him. That's why our giving is an act of worship. That's why I like seeing an offering taken at a service. I know the technology means, I went to a church actually recently, they've got a tapping machine, right? I'm not going to say who it was, but we went to Frinton <laughs> to meet Mark Massey. Anyway, they've got a tapping thing. I'm sure every time I went through it, it went, beep, I've done another fiver. And it was preset to five pounds. I said, I don't agree with that. He said, don't you? I said, no, it should be ten. Frinton. Um, anyway, so some churches are going down that route. But there is something about the visual, about saying, no, this is an important part of our worship. And, and, and not to worry too much about what visitors think, because actually this is part of who we are. And we give to the kingdom of God. And, and we're glad we do, because it's in the Bible. It's a part of our worship. So I'd encourage you, to think about your giving. Just think about it after what you've heard. I've done so much research on this and tried to condense it in half an hour, and and Kevin will be telling me I've gone over time. Um, 
Think about your giving. Maybe you're giving elsewhere because church funds have been good. That is no longer the case. Within two years, we'll be at a threshold where we have to cut ministries back. Revisit that. Remember the tithe is for the storehouse, the church, the mission and ministry of this church. Mission is local as well as overseas. Maybe you could think about, well, could I increase my giving by 10% or 20%? So if you're giving 100, can it be 110 or 120? I did some maths. Uh, well, with a calculator, I was never that good. I don't know how I ever became a broker. Um, uh, you know, but 20, 30 years ago, it's been a big shift, isn't there, uh, sociologically, where now it's quite fashionable to go to coffee houses and buy tea that you can make for about 10 pence and pay loads for it and coffees and everything. And I, and I worked out, if we worked out about two, there's over 200 members, so I'm not even counting the congregation, but if you didn't have that £2.50 cup of coffee just once a week, if 200 people said, I won't have it that once a week, okay, they, and, and gave that to the church, that would be £26,000, and, and then we're in line. That, that's what, it's breaking it down to numbers that we can actually get around. I'm looking at myself. Uh, I love my golf. I may have mentioned that in the past. Um, but there are three golf magazines you can buy. I'm deciding, well, I'm going to buy two. And that means... Uh, sorry, not two, one. I'm not, <laughs> I'll pick one. I'm so sacrificial. Uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just buy one. And, and this goes for my motorbike magazines as well, which means I can give, I can give that, that's, they're five pounds each. You know, it's just on the golf ones, that's ten pounds a month extra I can give. My net money is the same. You see, I'm just looking at where, where I'm stewarding the, the money. Um, so there's loads of ways that we can do that. Take the biblical teachings, you take your gross, take the tithe off first, bring it to the storehouse, and then budget for the rest. If you start with budgeting to see what you've got left, you won't do it. Give God what's right, not what's left. And leadership, uh, we've got a commitment, especially with the, with the finances as they are, to be good stewards, and we are looking at all areas. But let's take, like I would have said at the beginning, to what is many is threatening and make it thrilling. There is so much we could do. And prayer is important, giving is important, service is important. But without finance, uh, that needs to help underpin it as well. And we've got to get away from this... Um, embarrassment I think talking about it because it, it, there's so much that could be done and people will see what we're doing and they will praise God for it um, I couldn't bring myself to do it, where's Alan I, he, 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 we, I, chat, I said to Alan uh, can I run this by you uh, in the week and, um, uh, and I did and he said oh you should end with this clip but I couldn't get it either but uh, for the slightly older among you do you remember the film Fame, this is Alan's by the way if you don't like this illustration it's all Alan <laughs> remember Fame Fame, I want to live forever, I want to learn how to fly, remember that? And in the opening titles, uh, there was a statement, do you remember it? It was the lady, it was the teacher, she said, if you, do you want fame? Do you remember this? She goes, do you want fame? They're going, yeah, we want fame. She goes, do you want fame? She said, they said, yes, we want fame. She said, well, fame costs. If you want it, it's going to cost you. And you start paying now in sweat. Do not send me any sweat. <laughs> but if you want the mission ministry to grow, pray about it. Serve and give, and, and let's not be shy about it. Let's be sacrificial and give, because I, I do believe there's so much more uh, we can do. I hope it hasn't been too condemning, and if you are a visitor, uh, you won't be getting this next week. Um, uh, but, uh, but we probably will revisit it in January and at the AGM, because it's going to be really important to us, the future of us. We're, we're dealing with more than we had uh, just 13 years ago, running buildings, we've got an extra building, we're renting another one, it all 
costs. It's all for mission and ministry, but all of it costs. We give to our mission partners. It costs. Yeah, keeping this building, it costs. Doing minibus, it costs. But it's all for mission and ministry. Let's pray. Father, I'll just pray that um, you would almost take my words out of it and people that would just go away, Holy Spirit, of what you're challenging them on. I do thank you already that there is sacrificial giving that goes into the life of the church. We don't want to be known for our money. We want to be known for your kingdom. But we realise that money helps finance that. We realise even in Jesus' ministry there were rich women that supported him. The first gifts he got as a baby weren't inexpensive. Lord, your Bible says bring our tithe to the storehouse. I pray we'll do that. I pray, Lord, that our heart won't be about a church tax, that it'll be about a generous giving with a cheerful heart and just seeing how much you'd multiply that. I pray that we'd start dreaming dreams of the things we can do and that finance wouldn't be the thing that holds us back. So I pray your blessing on us. And I pray, Lord, we'll have the courage and the tenacity to take you at your word and see what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen.